Hi, I'm Pastor Nick with Grace Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us in our online service. If you're interested, we also offer in-person service every Sunday morning at 1030. We have Wednesday night activities for youth, kids, and college age every Wednesday at 6 o'clock. And there's food there. So, now, let's see what the pastor has to say. Those that are here today and those who are not, uh, pray for each of you and pray that we'd all have that opportunity. Every believer that's here today would have that opportunity to share. We have a lot of folks that are out today, so pray for our church. Thank Again, Nick's already kind of mentioned that. We apparently got a lot of stuff that's going on with people. So pray, pray for our church. Pray for Christ's church during this time. We're going to talk this morning about what it means to have that relationship with Jesus in such a way that we understand what the price of eternal life is. What's it worth to you? We all evaluate that, don't we? We take a look and we try to figure out whether something's worth what we're paying for it. I think we're going to see in God's Word today, in Matthew's Gospel, we're not in Acts. I know y'all are probably already got your thumbs in Acts ready for that. We're not doing that. We're going to take a break for the next couple of weeks and look at what it means to understand the sacrifice that Jesus has made for us. But it's that issue of sacrifice that is at part here. It's that matter of what it means to give up something that's valuable for us in understanding that God has offered us something that is beyond value, something that is beyond our being able to purchase, to buy it, uh, to possess it. We can't do enough. We can't say enough. We can't preach enough. We can't sing enough. We can't do enough to earn what God has given us. But in the midst of his love, God demonstrates uh, to each of us his love for us that while we were yet sinners, remember that passage that Paul shares with us, Christ died for the ungodly. And my prayer would be that we would understand what it means to have that hope in our hearts. There's a young man that is searching for that answer. Uh, he's a good man. We'll talk about that in just a second. He, I tell you what, he's a good boy. That's why we'd call him in Texas. He's a good boy. Uh, he loves his mom and daddy. Uh, he goes to church every Sunday. Uh, he does everything he's supposed to do. Uh, but we're going to find out there's one thing in his life that was missing, uh, and that was that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. In order for us to inherit eternal life, what do we have to do? The first thing we have to do, no other choice but this, and that is that we follow Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our lives. That's it. We could end the message right there and don't get up and start walking out, uh, but we could at that point. Because that's the message that we see lived out in this passage. Again, if you have your Bibles open, open with me. If you don't, open with me to Matthew chapter 19. We'll begin in verse 16. <clears throat> Excuse me. Matthew 19, 16. Now a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? <laughs> Why do you ask me about what is good, Jesus replied. There's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. Which one? The man required, inquired. Jesus replied, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't give false testimony. Honor your father and your mother and love your neighbor as yourself. I love this part right here. I've done all these things. All these things I have done. I've kept every one of them, the young man said. What is it I still lack? Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions 
and give them to the poor, and you'll have treasures in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Please join with me in prayer. Father, I, I pray this morning in my life that you'd help me to understand understand just how poor I am. Without you, I can do nothing. And I thank you, Father, for your presence uh, in our lives, each believer who is here this morning. And pray, Father, that you would help us to remember the price that's been paid for that relationship that we have with you. For it's in Jesus' name that we come to you, and it's in his love that we pray these things. Amen. I don't know much about this guy who came to Jesus. There's not a lot that we see in him. Matthew tells us he was a young man. Luke says that he was a ruler. Uh, but the question is, who is he and why is he coming to Jesus? The question on the hearts of so many people is, I think, today. It's not this different then than it is now. What do I have to do to make things right between myself and God? What is it I have to do? Because a lot of people, you, if you, I tell you what, you go online, you can even go on, don't go online. I hate to tell you to go online. Don't do that. But trust me on this one. You know what? If you ask most people in the world today, do you believe in God? You know what their answer is? Yes. Yes. And so people all over the whole world are looking for a way to make things right between themselves and God. What one thing... <laughs> What one thing must I do to have that relationship? What is it? What's that one thing that I have to do to make things right with God? What is it that is in my life that's lacking? Jesus gives the man the answers. Do you see it? Jesus says this, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't give false testimony, honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. You know that other one, that last one's kind of an add-on to the commandments that we see in Deuteronomy, but it's still a message that we're called to love each other. When we look at our lives, we measure them. I measure my life. And you know what? I hate to tell you this because y'all are going to think poorly of me when I say it. But you know what I do? I measure other people's lives. Y'all don't do that, I know. There's none of you in this room that do that same thing. But I do measure other people's lives by the way they keep the rules. This man was a rule keeper. Do you hear that? Do you understand that? You know rule keepers, they are, they got a list of things. Jesus is the one that gave him this answer, but I would tell you in another gospel, we see this young man gives the same answer. And so that's the issue that we're dealing with. Will the rules, keeping the rules, make that relationship with us right with God? And that's the thing that we struggle with. That's the issue that we have, I think, in our lives is how do we do that? I know all the rules. I've kept all the rules. I've done everything I'm supposed to do. God, I am right with you. Is that right? Now, before you get the idea, I think I'm, I, you think I'm saying there's something bad about this guy. There's something that we see in his relationship. What does he do when he comes to Jesus? He calls him rabbi. He recognizes that Jesus is somebody special. And it may be you're here this morning and you think, well, I've heard about Jesus my whole life. And I think he's a special person. But it's not about what you've heard that makes the difference. It's about what you know about him and about, more specifically, what he knows in your life about your relationship with him. 
That's the struggle that we have. But that's where he is. He sees in Jesus somebody that has an answer that he's longing for. And it may be in your life today, you have friends, you have people that you work with, you have neighbors who see you and recognize in you something about that relationship that they have, that you have with Jesus Christ. And they're longing. And maybe they'll ask you, where do you go on Sunday mornings? What do you do on Sunday morning? What, what do you show up at this place? What is this place about? It's all about our recognizing what it means to have that personal relationship with Jesus. And this young man, do you see that? He's trying to seek it out. But there's another thing we see in Mark's gospel in the 10th chapter. Another way that Mark heard something different from what Matthew heard. And what we see is when the young man came to Jesus, you know what he did? This is in Mark 10, 17, I think, Nick, if you've got it. Mark 10, 17 says this. When he came to Jesus, what did he do? He knelt down at his feet. He bowed down at Jesus' feet. There's some recognition there that Matthew doesn't pick up on. And the message is that he recognized that this man has some spiritual gift that he needs to have a part as a part of his life. And he's looking for that. I think this young man was desperately in search of what that answer was going to be. And in case you didn't know it, you also see in Luke's gospel, there's lots of different, three stories, same message, different perspectives. Luke says, later on in that passage, and when this man makes his decision, he went away sad. But what it says too, Luke tells us, that Jesus loved him. It's interesting. In the Greek, that word can mean what we say, talk about love, the idea of love. But you know what else it can mean? You ever give somebody a hug? How many strangers do you walk up to on the street and hug? That doesn't happen very often, does it? We hug those people that we love. And that's the message that we see lived out in this man's life. But more importantly, we see it lived out in Jesus' life. Time and time again, when people come to him looking for the answer, Jesus loves them. We saw that this morning in Sunday school. If you weren't in Sunday school, shame on you because you missed out on a good message. Ellen, I'm looking for you. I know you're out there. There you are. As Ellen led us this morning, we learned about what it meant for us to understand God's love for us and the way that Jesus demonstrated that. There was a man who was blind. He doesn't even ask for help. But he is there seeking help because he is near the pool of Siloam. And he's hoping, he's hoping maybe that he can get some water on that, splash it in his eyes, and maybe he'll be healed. But what he doesn't know is he's about to have an encounter with the Son of God. And that is what made the difference. And in him, we see Jesus touching him, healing him, blessing him. This man had been blind since birth. He had no hope of it. He had never seen anything ever. He had no hope of ever seeing anything. And all of a sudden, he meets somebody who brings his eyes not back to life, he helps him to see. It wasn't in our Sunday school lesson. I love, I love what this guy says when the, when the uh, big important religious leaders come to him and said, you know this man was a sinner. Uh, you know he's not of God. I love what he said. Well, it wasn't in our Sunday school lesson, but it's in the scripture uh, there in John. You know what he said? <laughs> I don't know about him being a sinner. 
All I know was I was blind and now I can see. That ought to be the message of every believer who is here this morning, that we fall at the feet of Jesus and we recognize we can't heal ourselves, but Jesus has made a difference in our lives. We used to be blind, but now we see, we see the truth of his love for us. We experience that truth. We see it time and time again in God's word in the way that these people that are around Jesus who are seeking help are coming to him. It's just like the leper in Matthew 8. You remember what he did? He said to Jesus, if you're willing, if you're willing, would you heal my leprosy? You know what Jesus said to him? I'm willing. And the man was healed. You remember the lady, the, she was a Syrophoenician lady. That's a big name for somebody that doesn't live in Jerusalem or Judea, uh, any place, even in Samaria, all right? She lives over where the Philistines live. And she sees Jesus in her community. Well, number one, what's he doing over here? He's a Jew. He's not supposed to be here. But she sees him, and he has a daughter who has been possessed by an evil spirit. And nothing, nobody can fix him. You know what she does? She comes to Jesus. She falls at Jesus' feet and says, please heal my daughter. Jairus, remember Jairus' daughter? We see Jairus coming to Jesus, asking for him to heal his daughter. And what happens? She dies. All right, that's not a very good answer, is it? But guess what happens? When, when Jairus gets back home, he sees that she's alive because he heard the word that she was dead. Jesus is ready to heal us right where we are when we recognize, here comes, think about it, the two women with the issues with their daughters, or one woman, and Jairus, those people had no hope. Their daughters were gone. The man who couldn't see, he was going to spend the rest of his life not being able to see. What about the Gadarene demoniac? Remember him, that guy that was running around in the tombstones all the time, cutting himself? They tried to bind him with chains. He broke the chains. He couldn't do anything. What happened to him when Jesus Christ came into his life? He's sitting there listening to Jesus teach. There's one request he has of Jesus. Let me go with you. I want to be with you. I love what Jesus told him. I think it's the same thing he tells you and me. He said, no, you stay here. Because he doesn't go into the detail, but I know why he tells him to stay there. Because these people know how you used to be. They know what you used to be. And now for them to see this change in you, they're going to ask you one simple question. What happened? And you're going to tell them, I met Jesus face to face. Now, all of a sudden, we've got to change, don't we? This young man comes. What is it he has? We don't know what it is from the beginning, but we see it in Jesus' response to him. This one thing you lack. Man, you know, I heard that word. I think, oh, I've done, I've done really good. You know, if I got a 90 when I was in high school on a paper, I thought, this is great. Because I was usually getting 75, 65. Don't, y'all don't do that, all right? Y'all can do better than that, all right? Don't settle for that kind of number, all right? That's not good. But I, if I got a 90, I thought, man, I'm doing really good. This guy's got a 95. And he is so excited. But what does Jesus tell him? This one thing you lack. You go take everything you have. You sell it. You give it to the poor. And then you come and follow me. Where did that man's love lie? 
Where was that man's heart? You can tell where people's hearts are by their pocketbooks. You can tell it by their house. Go in somebody's house, you get a good idea. We had friends in North Carolina, had a whole room full of animal heads. What do you think? You think they were fishermen? No, the whole family, they were all hunters and they had all kinds of trophies up. That message is pretty seen, pretty, I think it's pretty well seen in all of our lives. People know what is precious to you, what's most valuable to you by how you live your life. This man knew immediately what was going on with this. Jesus did immediately what was going on with his life because he knows our hearts. He knows where we are. That is the message that we see. People longing to follow Jesus but not willing to give up that which is most precious to them. And if something is most precious to you, you know what that is? That is the essence of what an idol is. Could it be my job? Do I spend all my time and work at the job? That's what I do. Everything is about my job. Could it be? Could it be my uh, hobbies? Could it be school? Could it be my family? Are those the things that are most precious to me? Christ calls us to recognize that he is that precious gift that God has given us. And he tells that to this young man. He tries to explain it to him in allowing him to figure out what's most precious. We see that lived out in the response of that young man. He was obedient. He was humble. He did all those things. But he loved the world's provisions more than he did Jesus Christ. Follow Jesus. Make him your source of hope. Secondly, if you expect to inherit eternal life, be sure you understand that following Jesus isn't easy. There's nothing easy about it all. Look at verse 23 in Matthew 19. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And I tell you again, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were really astonished and disturbed, I think. Uh, and then they asked this question, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. There's a message that's pretty simple, uh, and that is that in our lives, there are things that we are ready to put in front of God. In my pocket, I think it's still there. I haven't gotten rid of it yet. I have this. All right, everybody recognizes what this is. This is, a, if you can't see, for those of you in the back straining, this is a $1 bill. This is all Karen gives me per week. <laughs> but I want you to know what it says, not on the front, but on the back. Right above the one. In God, we trust. It's been here since the 50s. Don't think this has been here forever, but it's been here since the 50s. Lisa, I don't see you out there. I know you're out there someplace. You gave me a quarter the other day uh, to use with the illustration I was using down at the food pantry. Guess what? I'm not even going to try to see this one. I know I can't see it. I know it's on there. Uh, I got the magnifying glass out and I saw it. You know what it says? In God we trust. The problem that comes in my life and in the lives of so many of us is when the words that are on those, that coinage, on those bills, becomes the thing that is more important to us than the one the message is talking about. 
the disciples could not figure out what Jesus was trying to communicate to them. They couldn't begin to understand because they had the feeling that we saw in the life in our Sunday school lesson. They had the feeling that if you are good, if you live well, you know what? You're not going to have any problems. That because this man, we talked about this morning, the disciples asked this question. This wasn't the Pharisees. The disciples asked the question, who caused that man to be blind? Was it his, was it his mother or father, or did he do it? What did we say about him? What did we see in Sunday school? He had been blind since birth. Now, I know the idea of innate sin is a part of our lives, but do you think that God's design and purpose is to make blind babies out there. I do not. That is not God's design or purpose. He wants them to be able to see, to love, to laugh, to giggle, all those things that we love to see so much that give thrill to our hearts. And that's what his desire is. Not about making blind babies, but that's the way that people look at things. If you have money, if you have a nice house, if you have lots of stuff, then God loves you. God, God demonstrates his love for us all the time. I won't quote that scripture again, but look at, did you see what it looked like this morning? Remember what we've been through the last couple of days? A reminder to us, a reminder to us of God's presence in our lives. That's the same message that the rainbow is about. What's the rainbow say to us? And we kind of lost that. You know what, believers? We need to fight back on that. That rainbow is a sign from God that he's not going to punish the world this way anymore. And it's a statement by God of his love for us, of his compassion, of his mercy, of his forgiveness. We ought to embrace that rainbow and thank God for it, even as we do his son, even as this young man did when he fell at Jesus' feet looking for the answer that he didn't get. Because he wanted an answer like, go do this, climb this mountain, read this book, do this study, do something. And when you're done, then you'll know it all. What God wants us to do is to trust him. What does it say on our coins? In God, we trust. Rather than trusting in the coin, rather than trusting in the bill, from this day forward, I challenge each of us to be about trusting God with our whole hearts. The Jews understood that because this comes directly from the Shema, right? You know that passage in Deuteronomy 4. What does it say? Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And if you want to add that fourth one in that Jesus does, with all your mind, love him. Give all your love to him because he has given all his love to you. The young man didn't get that. And what happened? Look what he did. Nick, put that next passage up. That's, past, that's the 1923. What did he do? How did he react? No, that's back. You got to go back. I said that. We're, we're a little ahead. I'm a little behind. When he saw this, the young man went away sad because he had much wealth. The disciples could not comprehend that. They couldn't understand that. And so Jesus explains to them again 
what's going on. That whole idea of what it means for us to give our lives, to recognize that our lives are, are given to God completely. There's a passage, uh, we won't do that one. We'll do another one. Let me share this one with you. If you have your Bibles, open to Matthew. Now, you're going to have to do this because Nick doesn't have all this. Turn your Bibles up to Matthew chapter 14. Do that and, and mark this just so you'll remember it. There are two things that happen that talk all about trust to us in this passage. Two things that help me to understand what it means to trust God and not the things of man. <clears throat> if you look, uh, Jesus, what, let me, I'll give you the setting here. Jesus has been out. He's been teaching. He's tired. He looks around with his disciples and he says, he says okay guys, let's, let's go away. We're going we're gonna to go over here. And we're going to have a retreat, and we're not going to have all these people with us because there's too many people. So they get on the boat, and this is the Sea of Galilee, which is a lake. All right, everybody understands that. It's not a sea, it's a lake. It's fresh water. And what do they do? They start going around the coast to get to this secluded spot. Jesus has been healing and feeding people since he's been in the location he was in. What do you think those people who were on the shore did? Jesus... Jesus is in the boat right there. Where's he going? I think he's going right up here. They all followed him. And when Jesus and the disciples got to the place where they were going, that secluded place, guess what happened? The people were there waiting for him already because they wanted to be where Jesus was. Now, here's the problem. Now, they're miles and miles because what Jesus does is he begins to teach and heal again. And in teaching and healing, the people aren't going anywhere because they've got all kinds of problems that Jesus is making right for them. <sighs> Evening time comes. The disciples have a problem. Hey, Jesus, we got too many people here. You need to release them and tell them go on home. Try to find something to eat someplace. Do you know what Jesus says to every believer who's here today? He says the same thing. You feed them. Jesus expects every believer here today to be someone who is feeding someone that doesn't know the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ. This is a lot like the story we see of the young boy. Remember the boy? When they look, we see Philip. Is that right? I believe Philip. Yeah. Philip brings the young boy and he says, this kid's got, he's got two fish and five loaves. Guess what? Two fish, five loaves. Same thing. That's all they can come up with here in this situation. Jesus blesses that. They pass it out. There are 5,000 men there, not to mention the women and the children who are there. And when it's all over, how many baskets of leftovers do they pick up? Twelve baskets of leftovers. But the way that story goes is there's more to the story. The disciples, Jesus says, get in your boat and go to the other side of the lake. And the, God's Word tells us it's in the fourth watch. This is a Roman kind of thing. Romans had four watches. Jews had three watches. It's a fourth watch. This is 3 a.m. to 6 a.m., all right? It's the last dark time. Jesus has been praying on the mountaintop. The guys have been out in the lake. They haven't gone anywhere. These are the sailors. These are the fishermen. They haven't accomplished anything. They are right where they were. 
in the storm, in the middle of the storm. And what happens? One of them looks up and says, I don't think we don't see this in Scripture, but that's it. Look at that. What's that? Somebody's walking on the water, coming right towards us. And they all thought it was a ghost. Jesus responded to them and said, I won't say I. He said, don't worry, boys, it's me. Here comes Peter. Peter says, Lord, if it's you, call me. And Jesus says, here comes, come to me. What's he saying to believers today? Every believer that is here today, every believer that's listening to this at some other time, we need to be ready for that call because Jesus is calling us constantly when we start going off on our own, when the trials of this world is, are overwhelming us, Jesus says, come to me. And what does Peter do? Peter gets out. Thank you very much, Kim, for reminding me. Peter gets out of the boat. Now, before you get too hard on Peter, how many of you would have got to remember the other 11 guys? Where did they stay? They stayed in the boat. Peter got out of the boat, and he began to walk on the water. Can't you see that? And I, I love what Matthew's gospel tells us. And when he saw the wind, what he saw was the impact of the wind going on around him, the water and the waves and all those things that were going on. He saw the events that he was caught up in. You may be caught up in all kinds of problems today. Maybe health problems, maybe work problems, maybe family problems. But Jesus is calling us to come to him through it all. And he desires and wants us to be near him. What happens when Peter takes his eyes off Jesus and puts his eyes on what's going on around him? He begins to sink. And what I would have done if I'd been Jesus, I would have said, I'm going to let him stay down there for a while. All right, he's going to learn his lesson. He's going to understand he ought to keep his eyes on me. But what does Jesus do? He reaches out his hand and he takes Peter by the hand and escorts him back to the boat, which is not too far away. And then he says this to Bob. Oh, you of little faith. Because we put our faith and trust in what we see and what we hear and what we have and not in the Lord, the God of creation who loves us and has given us everything. You remember, you remember it's not easy to follow Christ. One last passage. The message is pretty simple. It's not necessarily something that's easy to do, but the call that Christ has for us is to live for him completely in everything we say and do. We won't even talk about Zacchaeus. I was going to tell you about him, but you already know that story. We see the results of what it meant in his life. If you expect to inherit eternal life, be sure you know that you're following Jesus has, <coughs> has rewards. Look what he says in verse 27 uh, through 30. Peter answered him, we've left everything to follow you. What, when, what will there then be for us? Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you will have to follow me. You who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, <clears throat> judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left house or brothers or sisters or fathers or mothers or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. We're going to make that real quick. This is a simple message. It doesn't sound real simple, but it is. So 
When we trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we're going to get all, did you know this? It's like we won the price is right, whatever it is, that thing. That they, we, we don't get both, we get both prizes, right? It's fantastic. We got a new boat, we got a new car, we got new furniture, we got trips to Hawaii. We got all kinds of stuff, right? Is that what you hear? Jesus shared this with the disciples because he knew where their hearts were too, just like those other people. They were looking for what they were going to get. Did you hear what the last thing he said to them was? You can look at it if it's still up there. The last thing he says to them is, and eternal life. That we have this life that we live right now is an opportunity for you and me as believers to share with other people the fact that we have found Jesus Christ and in him there is life, in him there is hope, and in him there is joy. And we are called to share that every day of our lives. Rex came in this morning and told me this. He said, I love seeing people smile. I love seeing people smile in the choir. Choir, I appreciate that. I appreciate you looking at us. I appreciate you smiling at us. You like us. You care for us. At least you show that you are. We are called to demonstrate that love that Christ has shared with us. And that is what he's telling us. And then he reminds us of this. Did the disciples have problems with thinking, I'm number one? You better believe it. They did it all the time. And James and John had the plan on that, but what was it? One of them's going to sit on the right, one of them's going to sit on the left. This is how, I'm going to get it. I want that throne. I want, yeah, I want to be on the left. And they, James and John, can't you hear them arguing? I want to be on the right. Oh, I want to be on the right too. But before you forget what the other disciples did, let me remind you, what did they do? They were, they were really put out. I don't think they were put out because James and John asked. I think they were put out because they didn't ask Jesus first. If we think that in our life in Christ that we're going to get all kinds of goodies and prizes and there's not going to be any problems in our lives, it's what Nick was telling us as we even started this morning. The closer that we get to Christ, the closer that we get in our relationship with God individually and as the body of the Christ, the more the enemy is going to throw against us. No, it's not worth it. Don't do that. Don't, no, he doesn't want us to be anywhere near him. There's a call for us to recognize that, that God loves us so much that he desires that we're there with him always. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, some of you may know that name. He was a German preacher in Germany in the 1930s. He came up with the phrase that he used as he was contemplating, and he did. He left Germany and moved to the United States where he was safe because Hitler and the Nazis hated him. And he told somebody in New York, he said, how can I possibly stay here when the people that are closest to me are dying in Germany. And he got on a boat and he came back. And he died in a German concentration camp just days before the Allies liberated it. But he says this term for every believer here today that we would understand. He talks about cheap grace. 
cheap grace, where we cheapen God's gift of love, the salvation that he offers us, and all we think it is is walking down the aisle, giving some money, uh, singing in the choir, preaching a sermon, all those things we think we're doing for God when all he wants us to do is love him the same way that he loves us and tell the, uh, the rest of the world that Jesus Christ has died for them. That's the message. Want to know how to have eternal life? Want to know what it means to follow Jesus? You follow this young man's life and see who you end up following. Will you follow him or will you follow the Savior? Please join with me in prayer. Father, we thank you this morning uh, for the love that you share with us. Father, I thank you for the truth of the message that we heard, that we heard in a song uh, just minutes ago. It was in the background. I've heard it my whole life. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. Thank you for tuning in to another service with Grace Baptist Church. If you would like to contact us, all of our information is available on our website, gbcevansville.org. You can also contact us through all of our various social media accounts. Or you could just give us a call. We'd love to hear from you.